Welcome in to another edition of Trends and Reactions, this time looking forward to week 11. We'll run through the whole Sunday slate and pick out a few things that we can learn for moving forward in the rest of the season. I'm Nate Henry. You can find me on Twitter at NateHenryFF. With that, let's get into it. Saints versus Titans. Deonta Foreman looks like the running back you want from Tennessee and the closest the Titans are going to get to Derrick Henry. Without Henry, the Titans have been loath to give one running back all the responsibility. Each of Peterson, Foreman, and McNichols also targets, but Foreman only saw one fewer target than McNichols and did a far better job of the targets he did receive. Foreman got a green zone carry, but Adrian Peterson was also in on a few green zone plays, and he got a target from the one. There weren't a ton of Titans green zone plays, so this is really all we have to go on. But it doesn't appear that Peterson is the exclusive green zone back. In addition, it looks like Marcus Johnson will be the wide receiver replacing Julio Jones. He played the most snaps at wide receiver other than A.J. Brown, and he saw five targets. Tennessee is still kind of trying to find their identity, but Foreman and Johnson's are, are worth adding in deeper leagues. Bills versus Jets. Michael Carter has clearly beaten out Ty Johnson for the lead running back role in New York. I wouldn't even worry about starting Carter anymore. Just lock him into your lineup. Matt Burita for the Bills popped out of nowhere, but he only played eight snaps. Surprisingly, he got three carries and three targets in those eight snaps, so it appears that this was a bit of a game plan. This may have had something to do with Zach Moss fighting an injury, but Moss still played the most snaps. His opportunity was severely limited, though. He only saw seven carries and zero targets on those 28 snaps. It may have been managing workload rather than playing time as part of a game plan here. Lions versus Steelers. In an ugly, ugly game, the two running backs shine. Uh, I want to note the 12 targets to Ray Ray McLeod, though. This is total noise to me. I mean, often you see backup quarterbacks come in and they have a better connection with one of the reserve slash second team players because that's just how teams practice. When Ben returns from the COVID list, I don't think there's anything uh, more that'll happen with McLeod. Also, Chase Claypool's absence probably had something to do with McLeod's 12 targets. Even if this was something, this is not the offense you want a ton of exposure in, especially in the passing game. Colts versus Jaguars. My eyes were drawn to James Robinson as he returned to action from a week on the injury report. His peripheral numbers generally tracked with season averages, and most importantly, he got two green zone carries at the end of the game and scored on one of those carries. He might spend another week on the injury report, but I think you can start him with confidence in week 11 based on what we saw in this performance. Buccaneers versus Washington. The bye week appears to have been very good for Antonio Gibson's health. Washington gave him 24 carries, and he dominated a very strong Tampa Bay run defense, which is widely regarded as the best in the league. He played 63% of the snaps, which is his highest snap share since week one when he had 65 the overwhelmingly positive game script certainly helped Washington and Gibson, and Washington clearly wanted to keep the ball out of Tom's Brady, Tom Brady's hands, so those two factors certainly contributed to 24 carries. But still, Gibson ran 14 routes, which was only four fewer than J.D. McKissick, and most importantly, Jarrett Patterson barely saw the field, which indicates that Washington trusted Gibson's health to actually make this game plan possible. Gibson can do this against Tampa Bay, should be great against lesser defenses. Browns versus Patriots. Apparently, Ramondre Stevenson is the clear Damian Harris handcuff. While the Patriots maintain their usual committee approach, they still like to define roles, with Harris slash Stevenson being the ground game dominator, 
Bolden being apparently the preferred pass catching back, and J.J. Taylor spelling the ground game dominator occasionally. Stevenson impressed, so you have to be worried about this if you're a Harris manager. This performance could cut into his workload. Uh, I'm not sure what to think of it, but I still think I'm going to be starting Harris uh, on the assumption that he will get his normal role back. Falcons versus Cowboys. It was amazing to see just how important Cordero Patterson is to this Falcons offense. As soon as he was hurt, the entire offense just petered out. Falcons tried to replace Patterson using Wayne Gallman, but it was already too late, and Gallman just doesn't have the exact same skill set. Still, Gallman's worth a pickup if Patterson misses time, but the news I'm reading suggests that Patterson has a chance to play in Week 11. Panthers versus Cardinals. We all knew it was only a matter of time before Cam Newton was declared the starter in Carolina again. P.J. Walker is a stopgap. Even in less than a week of practice, though, the Panthers already had goal line plays drawn up and designed for Cam Newton, and he scored two touchdowns as a result of it. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Cam Newton name the starter in Week 11, so go get him these available. It's worth an ad in any league, but especially in those Superflex leagues because of his rushing upside. Vikings versus Chargers. Justin Jefferson finally got the type of workload he deserves. 11 targets on 37 routes, that's a 30% TPRR, is just the type of workload we'd expect for someone as good as him. There were even a few times when Kirk Cousins just threw to him, regardless of coverage. Double, triple, didn't matter. He just got the ball to him. And that's the type of thing you love to see, because Jefferson usually comes down with it, and he did in this game. Let's hope that Cousins and the Viking staff finally realize something here. Just get the ball to Jefferson however you can, and as many times as you can. Seahawks versus Packers. A.J. Dillon can handle the load. The Packers look to be without AJ or Aaron Jones for a couple weeks, and Dillon looks solid. I think he should be close to RB1 status while Jones is out. Also, I like the Packers' defense. They completely stopped a competent offense in the Seahawks, and they've been on a bit of a hot streak lately, and this is all without Jair Alexander, their best defensive player. This seems to be a DST you can start every week with confidence, and they get the Lions two more times this year, too. So I would pick them up. Eagles versus Broncos. Devonta Smith continues to do great things with limited passing volume. The Eagles only threw 23 times this week, though. Smith is clearly an alpha receiver, especially on this team. So you can do what you want with him, but I'd be shopping him for sure. Like, I got Amari Cooper for him last week, and... Yes, it didn't work out this week, but I'm hopeful long-term. Maybe you could get A.J. Brown coming off that game being shut down by Marcus Lattimore. So it's worth shopping him, but sells super, super high. Chiefs versus Raiders. Patrick Mahomes looked a lot better this week. Some of his performance was benefited by a bad defense, but I saw a lot more quick passing as Kansas City was ready to matriculate the offense against another cover two-man look. They ran a bunch of crossing routes and took a lot of yardage over the middle of the field. We all had that feeling that Kansas City and Mahomes eventually figure it out. I'm still a little bit apprehensive, but I really liked what I saw. Mahomes wasn't forcing it. He was taking what was given. There were no Superman throws, just easy throws based on what the defense gave. That won't always lead to a five-touchdown game, but it's encouraging. Lastly, I really liked what Mahomes was doing in the pocket. He stepped up in the pocket instead of ran to the sides like he's been doing so much lately. And that's the best I've seen him stepping up in the pocket all year. It's not like he was never under pressure, but he managed to avoid the pressure a lot better. 
I think the quick passing game is what helped his confidence a lot because when Mahomes did take a five or seven step drop, he didn't panic right away when a little bit of pressure arrived. That's a great mix of offense for Kansas City and a much better outlook for Mahomes. All right, that does it for me. Again, I'm Nate Henry and uh, go win some fantasy championships.